The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Well, good morning, church. Uh, my name is Shane. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here at LCC Northlakes. And if you are new, very, very warm welcome to this morning. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you in the house of God with us. And uh, if, if this is your first time, or maybe you weren't here last week, we have just kicked off the book of Daniel. And so this is week two in Daniel. But last week, we really only covered about like, two to four verses. And so this morning, we're going to finish finish chapter one in Daniel. And as we just heard Vicky read it with her sweet accent. Um, and so what happened last week, and maybe if you weren't here, we, we kind of looked at the fact that God is the sovereign king and ruler over all things. And so as Israel finds themselves in captivity, in exile in Babylon, it is because God had put them there. It was God working in their midst. And so we come to today where we meet Daniel and his three friends, and they kind of face the first of many challenges that they're going to face in a foreign land. And so the question we're going to ask this morning is, how do we live a life faithful in the culture that we are in? Or how do we live an uncompromised life in the midst of the pressure and the temptation and the trials around us? And so before we get into it this morning, I'll just ask that you bow your heads and pray with me. And so, Lord, we we come to you this morning and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would move in our midst, that you would speak through me, that as we look at your word this morning, God, you would open our eyes and our hearts and our ears, as we said before, that you would speak to us, that you would minister to us, that we would know more about who you are and what that means for us as your children. And God, we thank you for everything that you're doing around us, that you are our sovereign king and ruler of all. And so this morning, I pray that as we look at this book, as we finish chapter one, that we would see the goodness and grace of your mercy and your gospel of Jesus. And so we pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. So if you, if you were here last, we kind of looked at the fact that... Um, what happened was King Nebuchadnezzar came into Babylon and he kind of besieged it. He took over it. And when that happened, he took a few of the youths, uh, kind of the best and the brightest in Israel and brought them back to Babylon. And as, we, as he did this, he, we said that his aim was not to put them in jail. His aim was not to, to torture them or even kill them, but to assimilate them into the Babylonian lifestyle, to make them look and sound and talk and walk like Babylonians and indoctrinate them with the Babylonian culture and education. See, the Assyrian army, who we we spoke about last week, came and destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel. They were a brutal bunch. They would come in, they would destroy everything they could, and whoever was left, what they would do, and we read this in the Bible, is they would get hooks and put the hooks through the noses of their enemies and then drag them back to Assyria. Like, they were just some mean, mean people. But then the Babylonians came, and that wasn't their way of doing it at all. Their way was to to get the captives, bring them back to Babylon, and then wow them with the majesty and grandeur and opulence of their kingdom. Babylon was this beautiful kingdom with rivers flowing through. They had this giant statue in the middle with a, a garden on the top. And so as they would bring captives back, they'd be like, come, indulge, be merry, be satisfied, in the hopes that they would forget that they were actually in exile and they wouldn't want to leave. And so this is how the Babylonians did it. And so what they'll do is they'll bring the best and brightest and they would actually enroll them in a three-year degree at the University of Babylon. And we read that. And so we pick it up in verse 5. It says, The king then gave them a daily portion of food as well that they ate and the wine that they drank. And they would be educated for three years. And at the end of the three years, they would stand before the king. And so the idea was that they would come, they would teach them the ways of the Babylonians. They would make them sound and act and look like Babylon. And this was their way of kind of attacking them. And making them forget who they are. 
or where they came from, or what their true origin was. And I think this kind of sounds like the world that we're in today, where in every angle that we look, there is advertising, there is social media trying to tell us who we should be, what we need to be happy, what we should look like, what we should sound like. In fact, I think one of the plans of the enemy is actually to make us forget where we came from, make us forget who we are and whose we are by seducing us with the pleasures and the passions of this world. It's telling us, hey, how this is how you are to be. We see this coming in schools. We've got so many teachers here this morning. We know that in our schools, there is more and more this anti-God curriculum that is being pushed in. And so the question is, how do we live as, as Christians in this world? How do we live as Christians, knowing our citizenship is in heaven, in a world where there is pressure around us, that we face trials and temptations to compromise our faith? And I think as we look at Daniel, we're going to see some super helpful things. And the first thing I think we see is not only that does King Nebuchadnezzar come and he takes them from their home and brings them to Babylon. He then teaches them three years worth of like a master's degree of what it is to be a Babylonian, just try and get all the information in their brain. brain. He then changes their name. He takes their Jewish name away from them and gives them a Babylonian name. Like it's a massive attack at their identity. We read in verse 7, And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, he called Belshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. And if you read the Bible, we know that names mean something. Like names have a meaning. God gives names to his people. Jesus changes people's names in the New Testament. Names tell a story about a person. And so what King Nebuchadnezzar wanted to do is he wanted their names to tell a story about him and his kingdom and his God. And so Daniel, for instance, Daniel's name meant God is my judge. And then King Nebuchadnezzar is like, actually, no, it's now Belteshazzar, which means Bel is my protector. Bel being one of the gods or gods of Babylon. In fact, all of the other boys had Jewish names that invoked worship and and, uh, adherence to the God of Israel. And now all of their names point towards the gods and the fake idols of Babylon. Like this was a massive attack on their identity. And so what do they do? What do they do in the midst of this? And so they were taken away from their home. The first thing that kind of happened to them. They were given a Babylonian education. They enrolled in Babylon's university. Most scholars would argue they were also castrated to become as well. So there's these little Jewish boys. They were teenagers at this time and all of this stuff had been done to them. And they're thinking like, Everything that was about their identity was attacked. Like, imagine what was going on in their brains at this time. Their identity was so severely attacked. So what did they do? What did they do in response to all of this attack on their identity? Well, it says that um, they did not. They did not. The Bible doesn't say they did anything in response to those things. But then we read in verse 5 that the king assigned them a daily portion of food that the king ate. And of the wine that he drank, and in response to this, Daniel said, "Uh, uh, uh, no. He kind of drew the line in the sand when it came to food and wine. In verse 8, he says, Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were worse conditioned than the youths who were of your own age? So would you endanger my head with the king? 
And so the question that we need to ask as we read this, okay, so why did Daniel not object to the education? Doesn't seem to object to the name change. Didn't say that he objected to being brought into exile. Doesn't say anything about being object to possibly being castrated. But when it came to food, he was like, no. Nah. I'm not going to do that. That's the line that he drew in the sand. But why is that? Why The massive attack on his identity, he just kind of let go. But, but when it came to food that would defile him, he said no. Well, I think as we read this book of Daniel, we're going to see the kind of man that Daniel is. A man that knew who his God was. And as we look at this book, we can see that Daniel knew that his identity was rooted and grounded in the God of Israel. He knew who he was and whose he was, that he belonged to God alone. So it didn't matter what you called him. He said, call me whatever you want. Teach me whatever you want. Do to me whatever you want. I know who I am in the Lord. His identity was grounded and rooted in God and what God said about him. So you couldn't touch him. You could challenge his identity, but it wouldn't do a thing because he knew his identity was in God. Church, as we walk this world... As we face temptations and trials and compromising situations that are going to push against our faith, our identity needs to be grounded and rooted in God and what God says about us and who God says we were and who God says we are. Because when moments come, temptation, when moments come of pressure, they can't do anything to us because we know who we are. We know what God says about us. It doesn't matter what man says about us. The creator of the universe says that we are loved. The creator of the universe says that we are worthy and valuable. We need to find worth and value in what God says and not in our careers, in our jobs. They can be taken away. Not in our money or our finance. That can be taken away. Not in our families or our spouses or our talents or our popularity or our education because it can all be taken away. In fact, it is promised to all be taken away. But if we find our identity in the God of the universe and in the word that endures forever, that can never be taken away. And so we see that Daniel, his his identity was so tightly connected to God and what God said about him that you couldn't touch him. You couldn't touch him. You couldn't challenge his identity. But his identity was also so close tied to his obedience to God and God's commands. And so when he was faced with a situation that would defile him, that would go against what he believed the Lord told him he couldn't do, he stood up and he drew a line in the sand. And it says he resolved not to defile him. And this, this defile, it kind of carries this weight of, of being stained and polluted. He had already decided that he wanted to be a holy man because his God was holy. And so what was it about the food? What, what defiled For starters, if you were a young Jewish boy growing up in Israel, you'd there are certain foods that you cannot eat. If it wasn't kosher, then you couldn't eat it. So maybe this food that was given to him was kosher, and therefore he could not eat it. It would defile him. But also the Babylonian, they're a resourceful bunch of people. And their, their kind of worshipping of idols and false god was just saturated through every ounce of that kingdom and their lifestyle. And so if they were going to have a big feast, they would often, they're like, why not sacrifice this animal to, to one of our gods while we're there? Let's kill a bird with two pigs. You know what I mean? Like, so what they would do is they'll set to their God and then they'll eat them. They were resourceful. And so maybe Daniel would go, hey, I know I'm not allowed to eat food that has been sacrificed to false. And so he's resolved not to eat it. He would not defile himself. And then some said no to eating this food. Because if he was to eat the king's food from the king's table, he was stating his allegiance and dependence 
upon the king and the gods of Babylon. And for Daniel, his allegiance and dependence was on the God of Israel alone, on the God of the, God of the universe, the sovereign king who rules and reigns. And so Daniel said, that. I'm not going to defile myself. Either way, Daniel would work for the king. The king. He would do whatever the king desired for him to do. In fact, he gets raised up to be one of the, the chief men of the whole kingdom of Babylon. He interprets dreams for the king, but he would not bow down to the king. He would not worship the king or the king's because he worshipped God alone. And we need to realize, I think, as we look, it's not Daniel against Babylon. It's not Daniel against Babylon. It's Daniel for God's glory. And so sometimes when we, we face situations of conviction and compromise, we kind of stand up and we put a fight and we kind of push back and say, that's all evil, that's all evil. It's not what Daniel does. In fact, Daniel just, I, I, I don't want to defile myself. Can you, can you let me not defile myself? Church, we are called to live in this world, but not of this world. And there are going to be moments, and many of them, where we're going to face situations of compromise. Situations where there is temptation, there is trials in front of us that are causing us to compromise our faith, our convictions. And as we look at it, it says that he resolved not to defile himself. And the word resolved here is not an in-the-moment decision. It's this kind of predetermined state where beforehand, before he even got here, he knew that he was going to for his God. He knew that he was going to keep the commandments of Yahweh no matter was in front of him. And that's how me and you need to live. If me and you, we get to the moment of temptation, we get to the moment of compromise, and we try and make a decision there, more or not, we're going to fall. But if we resolve beforehand, hey, I, am, I desire to live a holy life for God. I want to live a life worthy of the gospel. I want to live a life set apart for the Lord every chance. Because he is worth it. Because it's in that that we will find life and life. And if we do that beforehand, when the situations of temptation and compromise come, it's easy for us to go, I've already chosen, I'm not going to do that. I've already chosen, I'm not going to watch that stuff. I've already chosen, I'm not going to gossip with my friends. I've already chosen beforehand that I'm not going to compromise my faith no matter what comes. Sometimes the questions of compromise are easy, right? Do you want to rob a bank with me? Like, probably not easy right hey my boss is a bit of you know do you want to let's whack him no like you're not going to do that right hey do you want to come take no like hey should i put this trolley back at the supermarket obviously put the trolley back some obvious things where it's like they're easy to say no and just need to look at god's word and know what is right and wrong and if god's word says it's wrong then it is a question of conviction question of command if God's word said it is wrong, it's not a question of your conviction or your feelings, whether you think it's right or wrong. It's a question of has God commanded me to do this or not. But then sometimes there are situations that aren't so obvious. And so let's take Daniel's situation. He, he believed it was black and white for him, that the God of the Bible said he was not to eat this food. But we take Daniel's situation, we put it in the new cup, where Jesus, it's not what goes into your body that defiles you, but what comes out. It's in our heart is what defiles a person. So can we eat pork now? Yeah. Come to our men's night. Um, <laughs> or maybe maybe a more relevant one for our society. So a mate two weeks ago just asked me, hey, can you take photos of my wedding? And he's marrying another man. So what do we do? And I can already see some people like, it's black and white. And others are like, just do it. 
Like there's this kind of gray areas of what do I do as a Christian in that situation, as a pastor in that situation? Try and be faithful to the Lord. Or maybe it's just more relevant for all of us in the room. What about when the mandates are rolled out to get vaccinated? Do we get vaccinated? Do we not get vaccinated? When the Bible doesn't say black and white, like how, how do we make the decisions? Because there was some, for some of us in the room, that decision whether to get vaccinated massive things, had massive consequences for our livelihood. For some, it meant the loss of job, the loss, which meant the loss of livelihood, the loss of for some, it meant they weren't able to visit ones. For some, it meant they weren't able to go to funerals or to weddings. There are people in here this morning was not to get vaccinated. It still affects them today. For some, that decision was easy and it had no consequence. But the question is, how do we live in these kind of grey areas? And I think there's a few things that we can do. I think that one of the first things to do is, is go to the Lord in prayer the Lord, that he might lead us and guide us by his Holy Spirit. Now, it sounds obvious, but as we go to God, as we pray to God, show us what is wise for us, what is right for us. Not what is wrong, but what is right for us, what is good and wise. Because what God would deem good and wise for some, he might not deem for others. And this is what is a question of our conviction, a question of our conscience. And, and, and a good kind of example of this is alcohol. Like the Bible clearly says, do not get drunk. That's not a question of conviction. That's a question of command. Do not get drunk. But it doesn't say you can't drink. So should we all drink? Right? Well, probably not. Paul writes all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. And so for some, having a drink is going to lead, and they know this, will lead to temptation into sin more often than not. And so I would say having a drink for them is probably unhelpful, unwise, and possibly compromising of their faith. And there are situations where there is these gray areas. And so we need to seek the Lord that he might lead us through the Holy Spirit into faithful obedience, to live a life above reproach, to live a life, you know, just in adoration of a God who is worthy and a God who is holy, and then by the power of the Spirit to live holy. And then the other thing I think that we should do is seek godly counsel. Ask those around us that, that walk close with us that walk with us, that just know us, maybe know our temptations, those who are wise and have godly character. And so for some of us, let's go to your life group leaders. Say, hey, look, I've been asked to do this thing at work and I think it's a bit shady. I don't know. The Bible isn't clear on it. What should I do? Or hey, I've been invited into this situation that I, maybe I really don't think is a good place, but I'm, I'm not tempted by that stuff, so it's fine. Like, should I go or not? Like, I think it's good for us to seek godly, wise counsel in these situations of gray areas. And then ultimately, we just need to be rooted and grounded in the word of God. Not just know his commands, but know his heart, know his desire to lead us towards life. Because most of the time as Christians, we kind of ask, okay, how far can we go until it's sin, right? Like how close to the line we get? And that is not the right question. That is a dangerous question to ask. But how do we live faithful and obedient to God? God who loves us and cares for us and desires that we would have life and life in him. And I think if we're honest, like if we're just generally honest, most of the time when we face temptation and trials in these situations, we know what's wise. Like I actually think we, like most of the time we know what's wise. Should I go traveling alone with my girlfriend? Probably unwise. Like, like 100% of the time, probably unwise. <laughs> teenagers, teenagers. Phones, computers alone in the room. 
probably unwise. Like in, in the climate today, in the culture we live in, 100% of the time, probably unwise, right? There are certain situations that we are going to, to face where we know deep down in our hearts that like, this is unwise, and yet we try and convince ourselves, well, it's fine. The Bible doesn't say we can't. And so we need to be honest with ourselves this morning. And then I think there are situations where we face where we know that it is black and white, like Daniel. That the Bible would say, hey, don't do that. Maybe your boss is not being the nicest guy, and so you'd go behind his back and you would gossip. And you'd say stuff about him because maybe you want to be the cool person. Yeah, yeah, and join in. Like, we know that's not good for us. There are these situations that are black and white. Should you be alone on that website late at night? Like, you know that is not good for you. And so how do we live as faithful men and women in this world when there's pressure coming around and there is temptation constantly to compromise our faith? And I think it would have been easy for Daniel to eat the food. Like, I genuinely think it would have been easy for Daniel to eat the food. I can just imagine his friends going, Daniel, you're making a big thing out of such a small thing. Like, what are you doing? Like, Daniel, don't rock the boat. We have it good here. Look at all the food that we can eat. Daniel, we're so far from Israel. It's fine. No one will know. You know, stop being Like, when has obeying God's commands legalist? That's life. That's being led into life. And so as Christians, we're going to face temptations. And we're going to have peer pressure. And yet in the, face of, in the face of that peer pressure, we need to, like Daniel, stand up for what our convictions are and what our faith says, and what God, through his word, to not compromise. No matter the situation, no matter the outcome, no matter the consequence, God is more important than what people think. We need to fear God above. And so what does Daniel do? He says to Ashpenaz, hey, bro, like, I, I don't, I don't want to eat this. I don't want to eat this food. I want to drink your wine. Like, can you just give me some vegetables? He's like, I, I know your head's on top. My head's on top. Okay, just give me 10 days of vegetables and water. That's all I want. Just 10 days of vegetables and water. And then, just, and then after those 10 days, come back and look at us. And I love that. Verse 13 says, Let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. Now, I love this. He says, give us and just do with us what you wish. I think there's a few things we can see here. I love how Daniel doesn't start a fight. He's like, no way I'm not eating that, flips the table. He goes, hey, look, I, I don't want to eat this. It's like he's trying to love his neighbors and obey the Lord. I think that's something we can learn here this morning. How do we love those around us well and not get up on our high horse of our convictions get up on a high horse of Christians, oh, we know the truth, right? How do we love God and love those around us well? And I also think that there's this time period between when um, Daniel says, hey, don't defile, uh, don't let me defile myself, and then when he comes back and says, give me 10 days. And as we, as we walk through this, this book, we see that Daniel is a man of prayer. And when God, da- Daniel needs something to change, he goes to God, the God who is able, the God who does miracles, well, it might not say here, in the moment, and it doesn't say that Daniel did this. I don't think it's hard to assume that Daniel went to God in prayer. He said, hey, what do I do here? Do. And so I don't think the days is just a random 10 days that he plucked out. But do you think Daniel knew what was going to happen? No. Because he resolved no matter what the consequence, no matter what. 
rocks. No matter what they saw after that 10 days, he was not going to bow down to men. He's going to be a... For the 10 days, he came back. It says they were seen and they were better in appearance and faster than all the youths who ate of king's food. Now, now I've recently been on a diet. I'm trying to diet. And I thought leading up to Daniel, cool, I might just do the Daniel fast, the Daniel diet, which is what this is known as. You just eat vegetables and drink water. And I was like, cool, some weight. And then I reread the passage and wait, hang on, they actually get fat. They gain weight. And so I immediately stopped eating rabbit food, went back to normal food. But the point of this is like, you don't get fat towards in drinking water. And nothing happens in 10 days. And, and I think Dan was like, cool. I don't care what happens. I don't care what the consequence or what the cost is. I'm going to be obedient to the Lord. And so he just said, do me with you wish. And then we're seeing that they were fatter. Why? How was this happening? Because God did a miracle. Because God did a miracle. In verse 9, God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. Miracle in their midst. But it didn't matter either way, whether God did or not. Daniel would not compromise his faith. Church, we need to make this morning what is more important. God and obedience to God or the pressure that's coming from around you? What's more important, God or your financial situation? What's more important, God or what people say about you? And like, I get it. Sometimes we think we're going to be, we're going to look like weirdos if we stand up for what is right or we stand up for what the Bible says is good. Like, I, like, I, I get that the feeling of that. Or sometimes maybe you're going to be ostracized, you're going to be rejected from situations because you, do, you choose not to do that because God says you can't do that. Like, I understand that, but at the same time, like, for those much above what God says about you. Because that is truly all that matters. And also, why do you think it's going to make you look like a weirdo? Like, like, why do you think that? Like, it's going to make you look different. And that's the point. Church, like, we need to look different. The God, uh, God has set us apart. He's given us lives to live holy lives, set apart from the rest of the world. I see too many churches trying to look like world so people will feel comfortable coming into their church but why would they come into a church that looks like the world when they're already in the world like church we need to look different so people ask questions hey why do you live like that why do you not eat that food why do you not come out and get drunk with us why do you why do you love your husband and your family why do you love your neighbors so well like church we need to live lives that stand out that are set apart and then i love this because God shows them favor. God blessed the character and the conviction of Daniel as he walked in obedience. He didn't do it. He knew favor was coming. But as he was obedient, God blessed that. And his hand of favor was upon him. And so maybe Daniel knew what it said in Deuteronomy. You shall not bow down to false idols or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. I love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commands. Maybe Proverbs 3, 1 to 4 says, My son, do not forget my teaching. Let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and years of life and peace will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on a tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Maybe Psalm 5, 12. 
For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. God shows favor and honor to those who keep his commands. And whilst I'm not this morning that we can earn God's favor or we can earn God's blessing in our lives, it's as we walk this life, keeping God's commands, there'll be moments and situations of compromise like this. And if we, if we don't give in, if we don't bow down to the live compromised faith, and God will show us favor and blessing. And as uh, it wraps up, it says, God gave them more than good health in this situation. So God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And at the end of the time, when he came back to the king, he says he looked 10 times better than anyone else. The boys were 10 times better than anyone else. And it's just the idea of they would leave eating vegetables and drinking water. Why? Because the hand of God was on them. The favor was on them because they sought to live holy lives as their God was holy to follow and obey God's commands, no matter the And we're going to see that in the next few weeks. No matter the consequence, these boys are not going to bow down to the idols of the world, not going to bow down to the pressures around them. And so what's interesting here, and I I love this, because the resolve is no matter what. To follow God, no matter what. To obey God's word, no matter what. And as they sought to be in the world and not of the world, they actually became more successful in the world than anyone else. And and please hear me, I'm not saying if you follow Jesus, you're going to be successful in all things. But if you work heartily for the Lord, as Colossians says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for man, then it does mean that you're probably, you're going to be the best you can possibly be, the most integral employee you can possibly be. You're going to come to work on time. You're going to love your family the best you can possibly love them. You're going to be an upstanding citizen of society with integrity and honesty. And in that, I think God will bless that. Like what employee is not looking for someone who's going to come early, stay late, work as hard as they can, be honest and integral and do everything because they know they're working for the Lord. Our citizenship is in heaven. Yes, we know that. But the world around us right now is Babylon. And so we have been placed here by God as we looked last week to live as Christians in such a time as this and God is calling all of us to live holy lives as he is holy in the face of compromise to turn away and say no I'm not going to do because I fear God above fearing man we're not we're called to not conform to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of our mind Tim Keller writes this, and it's simple, and I love it. He says, don't assimilate, don't separate, deeply involved, engaged. Show love to the city of man for the sake of the city of God. Show love to the city of man for the sake of the city of God. We are to love this world, do all we can for this world, and yet not compromise on our faith. We're going we're gonna to face these temptations, like I said. I don't know what yours is this morning. But I think we need to be like Daniel. Beforehand, choose to not give in, to resolve beforehand that we are going to live lives dedicated to the Lord, lives in the spirit and in the flesh. So this morning, I think it's a good time for us to do that. We know our temptations of compromise. In your heart, you know where most likely you're, you're pulled to fall. 
And so maybe that is for you gossip at work or at school. Maybe that's gossip. And so you're going to resolve today that, hey, if that comes up tomorrow at school, I'm not going to join in if there's gossip. Or if, that, if those people are doing that thing at work, I'm not going to do that. For maybe it's for you that, you know, you keep logging onto that website you shouldn't be on. Keep watching those videos you shouldn't be watching. And so this morning, instead of telling yourself, it's fine, I'm not going to do it anymore, you're going to talk to someone. Lean on someone and help them to walk with you. Maybe for you it is alcohol. Maybe you just you have one drink, two drinks, and you, you always maybe you're drinking alone. And you convince them it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Why not this morning you resolve to to get help, to be honest and open about that with someone else? Have hey, we struggles? We all have struggles. We want to come together as a family, as a body of Christ, and encourage each other towards faithful obedience to the Father. And so maybe for you that is to stop drinking for a while. Whatever your situation is, find yourself and you know when you of compromise, the temptation that constantly pulls you. Don't wait until you're in the moment to fight back the temptation. Resolve today, right now. Take a step of obedience to, hey, how, how much will I overcome this? Because I want to be a Christian of no compromise. And it's going to be hard. Like Sometimes you just have hard conversations with people. You're going to, be, you're going to stand out. That's good. That's good because God is worthy. God is worthy of it all. He is a holy God that is calling us to walk as holy people, set apart for his kingdom's sake. And chaos might see it, might see light and love and find Christ. And as we look at Daniel, as the, as the band comes back up, finish it. As we look at Daniel, who purposed in his heart not to defile himself, we can't help but look to the one who lived a blameless life of no compromise. Peter says he knew no sin, though he was tempted in every way. He lived a life of complete and utter uncompromised why that he could be the true and final sacrifice for all sacrifices. The perfect that through we could be forgiven. As his blood was shed, that our sins could be we could have life in him. And so our aim this morning is not to try and be more like Daniel, but to trust in what Christ has done is enough. That his grace is enough to give us strength in the face of temptation. And because he rose again, he defeated death, sin, and Satan. And so now, through the power within us, we can fight back temptation. We can fight back easily entangles us. We can say no in the face of compromise. Why? Not because we have strength, because God is we are weak. And his death and resurrection has proved that, that he is the above all that sits on the throne. And he has given us his spirit in which as people of the spirit, as children of the spirit, and not of the children of flesh. Church, he is a worthy God, a holy God. And his desire for us is to have life not going to be just constrained and constricted to random commands. But he has given us a way to live that is going to lead us to joy and peace and everlasting life. 
to encourage us this morning. Let's be a church. Let's be a people of no compromise. I don't compromise our faith, even in the small moments. And this might seem small, but what we through this, as Daniel, that he faces from the book are going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so not only do we see here that God is preparing Daniel for those challenges, but is also showing Daniel that he is a God worthy to be trusted. That he is a God that holds all things together and that he is a God who will lead and guide him for the rest of his days. And so the challenge for us, again, is trust in God. Let's talk to God. Let's encourage one another to be children that live in the Spirit, that don't compromise our faith or convictions, no matter what. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for the cross. I thank you that you came as a man, that you lived a perfect life in the face of temptation, in the face of struggle, the greatest trial there ever was. Hung up on there a cross. As those cried out, why doesn't he just get down? You could have called a legion of angels to rescue you, but in that moment you chose not to. Why? in that moment the joy that was set before you was that you would redeem and rescue your children back into your family that you would redeem and rescue those who are lost in this world and so God we thank you for that and as you rose from the grave Lord you show that you are powerful beyond measure And as the Spirit came to dwell in us, we now have that same power that raised Christ from the dead. And so we're able to say no to sin. So Holy Spirit, would you enable us this week to be men and women of resolve of no compromise, before our hearts to live holy lives as you are holy, to make those little decisions, little conversations that would help us walk more in obedience with you. And God, we just pray blessing and your favor to be upon us. God, would your favor be upon this church? Would your blessing be upon each individual here? Would your blessing be upon the families in this church? The singles in this church? Those who are new to this church, those who don't yet know you, God, would they come to know you as a good, good Savior? God, we thank you for everything that you're doing in and through us that you're going to do in and through the rest of the city. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Center Church located in North Lakes. We exist to make, mature, and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare, and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecenterchurch.com.au. We provide our podcast free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others, but please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC.